Okay, everyone, welcome to the first ever Bread and Butter Bible podcast. Wow. (laughs) That's our jingle now. It's not actually. Oh. But this is our first one. So I'm Kelsey. And I'm Casey. And we are going to do talks about the Bible. So we are currently missionary Bible teachers. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We have to explain the name first. Okay. We'll explain the name first. So Bread and Butter Bible Podcast. We are the Butterfields, Casey and Kelsey, talking about the bread of life. And we're the Butterfields, so it just makes sense. Yeah, I mentioned that fact already. It's okay, I reiterated it. Cool, so we've been reiterated. Um, Thank you to our anonymous friend who recommended the name to us. Perhaps if they choose to not be anonymous, we'll reveal who they are. Perhaps. All right, so now you can tell them what we do. Yes, well, right where I left off, we are missionary Bible teachers. And right now we are stationed in the U.S. in Oak Ridge, California, And we are working on setting up a Bible school and also with the hope of going overseas at some point in the near future. But our heart is to give the tools to study the Bible and for God's people to just realize and have the capacity to be able to study the word and to gain a love for it. So that is what we do. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we are missionary Bible teachers. And we aim to go overseas, but right now we're in the U.S. In Oakers, California, which is actually my hometown. It's a weird place to be a missionary. How is it being a missionary in your hometown? If you had, like, two words that come to mind. Oh, you know, two words. Mm -hmm. I have more than two words. (laughs) Um, So, to be honest, being a missionary in my hometown, it, it only brings imagery of uh, just I just have one very specific thought it's like one last gift I can give the people Mm. who mean the most to me before I maybe leave them forever (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there are still teachers who are not dying we're just going to missions overseas (laughs) yeah which you know we don't we want to stay overseas oh yeah but there are teachers at the high school i grew up at um well (laughs) didn't say that right (laughs) i did not grow up at the high school there are teachers at the high school i went to they're they're still there they were there um years before i graduated and they're still teaching there are the same pastors at the same churches around town Um, the same owners of the same fast food places, many of the same managers for our grocery stores, and most of the people in town in general, they know who I am. And also Mm -hmm. they know Kelsey now by extension. Yeah, we can't, I mean, it's, it's good. I really enjoy this fact, but we, whenever we go anywhere, we usually run into someone that we know. Yeah. 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 Which is crazy. So... Let's get into our first ever podcast episode. Yeah, would you like to introduce what we'll be discussing today? Yeah. So today, we just thought we'd start off with the topic of Proverbs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so why 
why do you want to talk about Proverbs? I mean, both of us do, but can you tell us a little bit of your experience in the book so far? Yeah, yeah. So some some background for people. Um, we we are teachers, so I recently taught the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason we're using it today is because it's fresh. It's on my mind. Um, and also it's just really easy to talk about. It's uh, full of some biblical um, mystery that we can maybe demystify a little bit. Mm-hmm. So... I think, yeah, that's good. And I got to hear your full lecture on this book. And we'll just dig into a little bit of some of the big things that happened. But in like a sentence or two, what what do you think is the main thing that we learn or we apply from Proverbs? Just before we get into some of the specifics. Yeah, so I think the main thing we apply from Proverbs or or like you said, the main thing we learn is mm-hmm. it well i think the book is kind of rules for life mm-hmm. and it suggests that um really god founded order and that he knows the best way to live in it yeah so proverbs show his people the best way to live in it mm-hmm. and this is going to be all like BC so starting around the time of King Solomon and in 970 BC and going all the way through exile uh final exile of Judah in 586 so these proverbs they they're literally like most of the old testament um most of the people who are alive during the writing of the old testament books um the kings prophets period um, the Proverbs were used to teach them and, and likely used after exile. And they were meant to show people how to um, live a lifestyle that glorifies God and really how to do it together. Um, because one fascinating thing about Proverbs and actually most of Scripture, you might not have noticed this before, but most Scripture teaches us to live as Christians in in community it's not really about our individual Mm -hmm. life with god that we you know go live in the closet it's it's supposed to be a a life full of interaction with other people um gosh (laughs) i feel like i could just go off on a rabbit trail now (laughs) yeah i think there's there's so much to say to that and i think one of the main things i took away from what you just brought up is just and it, and it seems like and it it is fact like if god is the creator who created and designed humanity then he knows the best way for us to walk out that life as humanity and as his image and proverbs is a really practical way and such a gift for us to like ponder on that and to think like what what does it mean to be wise in God's eyes and not in our own eyes and yeah we can always think of our own ways to do things and what our wisdom would be in certain situations or interactions of people but ultimately operating by godly wisdom and acknowledging that he knows best is really how we live the life that we're designed to live 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you talked a bit about how this started with Solomon. I know most of us think that Solomon wrote all of the Proverbs, I would say, is, is kind of what I previously thought, and I think probably a lot of our audience and our students in the school were in. So where do all these Proverbs actually come from? Because you mentioned a longer timeline. Yeah, that's true. So most of them, Proverbs 1 through 29, are all going to come from Solomon. Um, And then in Proverbs 30, it's it's written by someone named Agir, or maybe it's called the Sons of Agir. What does it say in your Bible? Um, Which passage? So Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. Don't mind the Bible page flipping sounds. Okay, Proverbs 30, words of Agur, or Agur, mm-hmm. yeah. son of Jacob. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's what's going to be in the superscript above the chapter. Mm-hmm. So Agur, he is likely a descendant of Massa, which is a tribe from North Arabia. And he's actually linked to Ishmael. So the tribe of Massa is linked to Ishmael in Genesis twenty five fourteen. And then Agir, historians think he's he was likely a chief or a sage of Massa. Um, probably in the time of, of Hezekiah. And I actually have the dating that Hezekiah was around. So Hezekiah lived between... Uh, well, he was king. Actually, I think, I think his estimated lifespan is 716 through 687 BC. Mm. And then Hezekiah is also a really interesting king. Mm. This is a rabbit trail. You'll hear more about this from Kelsey. Um, he, a, a lot of people think he's this really bright, shining king. And, and actually, he does have a lot of incredible things that he does in, in his reign. He's really known for trusting the Lord, but he has an interesting ending, right? He has a really interesting ending. And we can maybe talk about that in another podcast. Talk about that in maybe Kings or Isaiah, so keep tuning in. But mm-hmm. anyway, Hezekiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Proverb 30 was maybe added to the compilation by Agir, who's again likely a chief or sage of Massa. And we can find out how Masha, Massa is linked to Ishmael in Genesis twenty five fourteen, And then... What's interesting is Proverbs 31 is written by this King Lemuel. And we don't know much about him. Historians have um, linked that he he gave... His name was listed in, in royal instruction that was documented between Egypt and Babylon. Um, so Lemuel is interesting because he's not an Israelite. Hmm. And... And his proverb was probably comp- added to the compilation. I mean, s- scholars are all over the place with this one, but I I really think it's likely that it's uh, post-exile. So, I mean, 586 and thereafter that we have Lemuel contributing mm-hmm. to the Proverbs. So initially with, or I guess generally with the authorship, you have most of these Proverbs were written or compiled by Solomon. And then we have um, Hezekiah adding to the compilation from pulling from a gear. And then we have Lemuel. And 
I'm guessing you're you're probably wondering what proverbs were for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I think in general, proverbs were meant to spur communities um, mm-hmm. to 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 live lives that would please Yahweh, and to live lives that would um, hmm. Well, live lives founded on the wisdom that that God set up. Um, I, I really think that's why Proverbs are written. And a lot of scholars and historians believe that Proverbs were uh, taught to adolescent boys, hmm. specifically boys. And, and whether they were taught in their homes or in some kind of schools, we're not really super sure on that. But one thing is for sure is that it's... it. It may not be that Proverbs were just for young men because they could easily, all of them could be antithetical to be for women as well. Hmm. Um, Or most of them, you could say anyways. There are some Proverbs about, you know, wanting to be in a desert or on the corner of a house instead of (laughs) near a nagging (laughs) wife. (laughs) Don't worry, you're not a nagging wife. Well, thank you. I appreciate the clarification. Yeah. But I believe you. (laughs) Totally. So I think one interesting way that we can classify what Proverbs are um, is to to break them into three categories. What are those categories? (laughs) (laughs) I think that most Proverbs are going to be in one of three things. They're going to be certain. Um... You can thank gravity. If you drop a ball, it's going to fall to the ground. Unless if, you're in space. Unless you're in space, yeah. Or but if we're you, not. So. We're not, yeah. If you if you jump, you'll come back down to the ground. So a, a kind of proverb that would reflect that is what goes up must come down. And of mm-hmm. course, that's not a biblical proverb. Um, so, and, and then a, a second category of proverbs can be things that are peculiar Hmm. Kind of weird things um, that well, happen. That's the in kind life. that, like, you read and you're like, "What? What is this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sayings like a smile defies gravity, um, and and because like, but it's supposed to like paint a picture for us as we're reading it that we have to chew on it a bit more. Yeah, exactly. And so, that's again not a biblical proverb, but to say a smile defies gravity. That's that's to say that well, we we know we've observed through science that it's actually better for your face and it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. Mm. Um, and frowning causes a lot of wrinkles, yeah, right? But you, you would, you would think if we're considering gravity, that wrinkles would just be caused by the, the pressure of gravity pushing down on our face. But when we smile, less wrinkles are produced. It's just interesting. Mm. Um, it seems like that would take more effort and have a different effect. So application, make sure you smile. Yeah, and we're not really getting into biblical <laughs> proverbs quite yet. We're just laying the groundwork for what proverbs are. So we've said that they're certain, they're peculiar, and they're also going to be likely. So that's theoretical, yet pretty intuitive. So an example that you could think of is the line, kindness when given is received. That's, again, not a biblical proverb, but it's a proverbial idea. 
that when you're kind to someone, then they're probably, excuse me, probably going to be kind back to you. Mm. Um, so altogether, Proverbs are certain, peculiar, or likely. And if you were to read Proverbs, or if you've, if you've tried before, you might think back to what that experience was like, or just go ahead and open up to, oh gosh, Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. And try to read the first chapter, and then go on to Proverbs 2, try to read the whole chapter. If you try to read a full chapter of Proverbs, what, what you might find is there, there are some um, uh, passages that are more poetic and meant to fit together. But actually, a lot of Proverbs are really just short, quick uh, phrases or sound bites. Mm-hmm. And... All these sound bites reflect the best practices of fearing God uh, through daily wisdom in a broken world. And so Proverbs, we can think of, you know, King Solomon, this great wise king. And well, we actually have a lot of insights on him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Solomon compiled or wrote a lot of Proverbs, then it would have been Proverbs that were his spoken observations of humanity hmm. from within the workings of the universe. So you can think of like, oh gosh, I'll just leave it at that. So it's his spoken observations of, of how humanity and the universe work together. And really it's um, putting language to how to live a life and be blessed. So Proverbs are really quite... Um, how would you say they they can be uh, perceived as formulaic it's like if if i follow these laws then i'm certainly going to be blessed mm. and proverbs are a classification of wisdom literature so that's interesting isn't it yeah and there's several other books that fall into that wisdom literature category too I'm just thinking of what mm-hmm. what I want to ask with that. I guess just how do you think Proverbs stands out a bit from other wisdom literature then? Because we have Song of Songs, we have Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. and others that are not coming to mind for me right now. Oh, yeah, but... like, like Job, too. <laughs> yeah, know. Job and... I know you've talked about James can really be seen as like a piece of wisdom literature kind of for the New Testament almost. It's a letter, of course, but mm-hmm. it has a lot of the same sounding things like Proverbs that you would use in everyday life. Yeah, James is actually very similar to Proverbs too. Um, so some wisdom literature from the Old Testament that, well, uh, well let's just go to the list that we've we've compiled so far. So we have Proverbs, what we're working with right now, and then other wisdom literature from from the genre wisdom literature i would note that the whole entire bible can be viewed as wisdom literature and mm-hmm. i'm not the first person to say that the whole bible is meant to be read reread and meditated on mm-hmm. and as you do so you would see um themes just left and right throughout all of scripture yeah. but but wisdom literature as a as a genre yes. we have proverbs we have Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. I think you can debate Psalms. Um, <laughs> I would say so. Psalms does have really the the wisdom of how you approach life and letting 
letting life and reality meet your relationship with God, your perspective of him and walking with God in, in life. Mm-hmm. It gives you a representation of how to do that, that you're bringing the good, the bad, and the ugly to the Lord in your walk with him, not hiding from it. Yeah. Inviting the Lord into your moments of praise and also grief and lament mm-hmm. at the same time. But Proverbs is much more, I I feel like, little sound bites that you get to just chew on and, and think on. And you can do this with other pieces of the Bible as well. I definitely agree that it's wisdom. It, all of the Bible is profitable for, for teaching, for wisdom, for reproof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking that's First and Second Timothy, that that comes up. But Proverbs gives you these little pieces that, um, but really this is one of the best books. I mean, there's 31 chapters too, but you can pick a proverb, so a chapter a day. But also that's so many individual proverbs to go through and to chew on mm-hmm. that you could really just meditate on proverbs throughout the year. And, and meditation in the sense of like, Bible meditation where we read and reread and reread scripture that we would have our hearts and minds just filled with that. It's not what a a different worldly perspective or like Hinduism, Buddhism would look at as meditation. It's totally different. Not nothingness, but being filled with the word. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are some good points there. Um, Proverbs of the Bible are different than, yeah, other, other, proverbs of different religions um and then you you brought up psalms too and i I think what psalms is is it's so so actually let's let's backtrack here we're going to define what wisdom literature is and 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 really 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 what it's used for so wisdom literature in the bible it it applies to very um specific aspects of of life and it's really meant to at each each kind of wisdom literature is intended for a certain kind of application and proverbs i would say is the most general application you follow the rules of the universe that were put together by yahweh and mm-hmm. that results in blessing not just for you but for your community mm-hmm. um and it's it's interesting so 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 Proverbs is, is sort of like it leads to a a personal enrichment that develops into communal blessing. Yeah. So you get to be blessing your community and also blessed by your community. And then also, um, well, actually, let, let's compare Proverbs to some other uh, wisdom literature. So Proverbs is like everything is ideal here. You 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 live well and you, you get blessed. But Job is kind of like, well, you live well and Job is not looking very blessed in most of the book. Yeah. Job is like, he, what he to was. do when everything falls apart. And, yeah. and it's an image that, um, that proper godly living doesn't always result in blessing because we do live in a world that is fallen. And, and Job ultimately is a is a book, and I'm sure we'll have time to talk about this. Oh yeah. But Job is a book that um, really lends the reader to, or or I guess you could say leads the reader to um, have 
trust and faith that, that they can bring their like unequivocal grief mm-hmm. that they wouldn't even have words for straight to Yahweh straight to God mm-hmm. and and doing so then like when when you're grieving when you're mourning if you've experienced any kind of loss then Yahweh will be able to receive that and it's like he meets you with his presence and so that's what you see in Job and I'm sure that we'll talk about that um and then you also have you know like Ecclesiastes again very very specific and Ecclesiastes um the way that we see that uh, many biblical scholars see Ecclesiastes as you know it's it's opened the first was the first verse is a framer mm-hmm. and then the last couple verses are also a, a framer and the whole like the whole body of Ecclesiastes is written by um the the preacher and that's what he calls himself the preacher and he he has these really terrible insights on life and so the the point of Ecclesiastes is to show you that like true wisdom doesn't come from looking around or or any of like any of the patterns in the world but true wisdom only comes from the Lord and true mm-hmm. wisdom ultimately is as simple as just fearing the Lord um so oh and then that's also an interesting point too so I'm sure that we'll talk about um a lot of these themes, but what do we mean when we say fearing the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, this is like our first episode, so we're starting off with a bang here. All of these things, but when we say fear the Lord, you can you can turn to, oh, I think it's Habakkuk and and chapters two and three. There there are um, s- psalms that Habakkuk has written, and they really describe that. God is someone who really, like, oh, man, God is in defense of the righteous person. Mm-hmm. And the the people who are against God and the people who are against God's people, they should be shaking in their clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, when we say fearing the Lord, it's it's not like God is this terrible, terrifying thing. It's just one very simple concept. And, you know, this is like our our few word answer for this is the the moment of of God's judgment is mercy or wrath, but it happens at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. And this is the God who is described as you know laying waste to mountains. Um, he also speaks the world and all existence into motion, um, and so <laughs> that that God. Um, we we don't really have any other language in the in the English to to put to it other than, I mean, fear. we fear him and We're and in awe of him. Yeah, and there's a lot to that. We're in awe of him. It's a deep respect, but it's also like, man, I want to please you, and and I am so glad that you wrote these words down in the Bible to show me what pleases you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, I can say also, and I think I can see it on your face too, we don't really have to be afraid of God because any any sort of anger that he would have towards humanity was satisfied in Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
So, do you have something you want to say on that? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, there's so much more to that concept of fear of the Lord. And I'm sure this will come up, honestly, a lot through different books that we'll discuss. Just because it's such a huge concept throughout the Old Testament. And, like you mentioned, in in Jesus, like, that judgment, that wrath of God was satisfied. And it was a justified judgment. Like, we deserved and earned that place of justice needed to be brought to our sin to our rejection of God but God reached down and he stepped in and put forward his son and um, it's expressing and satisfying wrath and executing justice to give mercy in a way that we will never fully wrap our heads around I think um no one is capable of making that judgment call, that justice call, except for God, the creator himself. It's just, it's not something that's in our hands, but his. And that's something to fear the Lord for, I think. Like, it's, there's an essence of, like, yes, the literal meaning fear that we would think of. Like, oh my goodness, I cannot, I can't stand in your presence. You're so much more powerful than me bigger than me but also God is so merciful and he's way more merciful and compassionate than we can ever really express either mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting when that that idea of fear of the Lord meets the concept of like well are we going to choose what's wise in our eyes or in God's eyes and it makes sense that following the wisdom of God and reading and dwelling on books like Proverbs is a way that we can practically fear the Lord is to meditate on what's wise in his eyes and knowing that he's the one that holds justice and mercy in his hands perfectly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I, (laughs) that's all, that's all really good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what, what we were trying to do was just compare Proverbs to other kind of wisdom literature. And, Mm -hmm. and so the what what i hope that you see now is that proverbs is really just you know best practices for pleasing god and ultimately like ideally pleasing god results in blessing and and joy um and other kinds of wisdom literature um is is going to display to the reader that you know, living righteously doesn't always result in blessing. Mm-hmm. But but Proverbs actually shows us just how good it really can be. Um, mm-hmm. And Proverbs deals with lots of topics, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. 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 But it ultimately teaches us how to um, live a life fearing the Lord, um, unlike what happens in Ecclesiastes. And yeah. yeah. So let's just, uh, we can, what, what I'd really like to do is go through a couple of examples of Proverbs from around the world. And then like mm, talk about a few Proverbs from Proverbs, kind of dwell on them in comparison. Yeah, actually, 
I'm thinking we might have to do that in another episode. All right. Well, that is a <laughs> spoiler for the next one. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about some Proverbs from other countries, and I'll be kind of our background on the book, and get more into Proverbs in the next episodes. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm trying to do here is I just want to familiar familiarize you all with what Proverbs are in case you're not someone who already knows, in case you don't you know, read them every day. And I think this is also just a, a fun practice. I do this with my class and they really like it. Um, and, and what I want to reveal to you is how Proverbs from around the world can actually show us what people believe. So again, Proverbs are, um, observations, um, in particular, they're, they're from a certain perspective or paradigm and they're observations of, humanity and how we interact with the universe or how how we can you know best interact with the universe Mm -hmm. um and and that's just proverbs in general so so let me let me tell you what i mean here um there well if i can (laughs) be so bold as to quote mark smith the writer of frozen frozen 2 (laughs) Um, he, he wrote this, he wrote fear can't be trusted or all one can do is the next right thing. Mm. And, and those, yeah, those are actually really, really good, insightful proverbs because, you know, when you, when you actually think about those as, as one liners, fear can't be trusted. Well, well, why is that? What, what does fear do if, if we're not trusting fear? what does that imply about fear? That implies that fear is like a person. And what's this person doing? This person's holding us back. Mm. Um, and so fear is causing or is not worthy of our trust. So it's personified. Yeah. In, in the frozen movie, um, that, that line or in frozen Two, that line, (laughs) fear can't be trusted. It's, it's personifying fear. Um, and then there's also this line, all one can do is the next right thing. Um, that's also a really good line and it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, it's a wonderful Disney movie. And so it's not about like an objective, you know, like (laughs) absolute right thing, but it's more about like doing the, the thing that you feel in your heart is right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when coupled by something like fear can't be trusted, it's like, you know, then you can go and have. Uh, field day with whatever you think that might mean but but really the the general message of of these sound bites if you will is that you don't want to be held back by fear and it's really good to just do good things in the world Hmm. and that's really all that you should do the next right thing and then the next right thing the next right thing so these are actually good messages for kids um it seems pretty pretty good i mean I think Frozen has some good stuff in it. I think there are other movies that don't have great stuff in it that teach us wisdom, teach kids wisdom, and it's just something to, to watch for. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a good example. Yeah, and then there's another proverb. I, I really like this one. It, it comes in multiple flavors, if you will. So I first heard it by um, a man I, I used to work for, kind of. I would just... I was young and I wasn't 
I was I was getting paid under the table at at that time, <laughs> doing odd jobs and stuff. And so I, I worked with this really gruff character. And <laughs> one day, so what he would do is he he's the guy who realtors would call if they needed to flip a house and quick. Um, and so he was called one day to <laughs> renovate this house that literally belonged to someone who, oh, I guess you could just call her like a cat woman. I don't know. Cats she, everywhere, cat pee. Yeah, she must have had yards. like 30 cats. Oh my and, gosh, that is 30 yeah, too many. And so they, and they had destroyed the carpet. And of course she's gone, the cats are all gone, but the carpet's thrashed and there's like trash everywhere and it just smells so bad. Um, so we were tasked with you know, wiping down the walls, tearing up that carpet, um, scrubbing the subfloor. And it was probably actually one of the, the most memorable days of my life. And Mm. I I mean to say like one of the worst days of my life, (laughs) obviously I've had, you know, hard emotional days, but that was a really tough one. Just smelling that smell for so long and, and, and being so close to it. Oh, it was bad. Um, at the end of the day, this guy I was working for, he, he's gruff, so I'll try to impersonate his voice. <laughs> so he told me, he's like, Casey, some days you get the bear and some days the bear gets you. And, <laughs> and me? so what that means is like, some days you get to kill the bear, the, the bear, like, you know, grizzly bear. And some days the bear gets you like you get mauled by the bear. Well, and so that's a that's a proverb about rough. life. You know, it's just a life proverb. I have a friend who also really likes... Um, actually, I first heard her teach proverbs. Are we allowed to name drop? Probably not. We, we, I don't know. I yeah, really don't know. Yeah. So I have an older... Um, I guess you could say like mentor level friend of mine. and And she really likes the proverb... Uh, some days you're the bird and some days you're the statue. <laughs> and so that means it's the same thing. Like some days it's, it's a little worse. It's a little more suggestive. Some days you're pooping on the world and some days you're getting pooped on. And so some days you're, you're on top. Right. And some days, yeah, not oh, so much. So much. Yeah. And then there are a few other interesting, just American proverbs. Like it's always darkest before dawn. That's, really interesting um i i don't really like this proverb it's it it suggests that things always get worse before they get better and and so that's the interesting thing is sometimes proverbs reveal a lot about our our paradigm and the way that we think um and and i don't think that is actually very good mm-hmm. <laughs> um so Another one that's really common that we we say a lot is slow and steady wins the race. And that's really popular in the U.S. I'm not actually sure if it was formulated here in the U.S., but popular here. And and that really means that focus wins the race. Um, You want to study the the twists and turns of life and then you'll win. Um, And so all in all, like... Uh, just just a, a culture's keep this in mind a culture's proverbs tell you a lot about that culture so a, a couple more specific american proverbs are 
God helps those who help themselves. Time is money. Live and let live. (laughs) So, what is this revealing to us about our culture? God helps those who help themselves. Well, we have to help ourselves first. Interesting. You know, that that Mm -hmm. doesn't seem... That's actually bad theology, isn't it? Kind of. It sounds like if if you help yourself and you're the reason to, like, start doing better, then God will bless you. It's almost like, I'm so good and I'm so great and so God's going to bless me. Rather than really relying on the Lord and trusting him, that's how it sounds to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting because with that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, like, who... Who begins the work? It's God. Well, in in that should be in that proverb. Oh yeah, in the proverb that it would be ourselves. Yeah, God helps those who help themselves. So it's it's ourself, like me. I begin the work, and then, and then, what does that allow me to do after it's all done? Like after I have the victory, bunch of pride and all of your work. Yeah, that you set yourself up. Yeah. It made yourself great. Yeah. And so, and actually that's... That sounds like a biblical narrative that keeps going throughout the Bible a bit when you are prideful and exalt yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's like Cain and Abel. That's like Solomon. That's like, oh, uh, Eli. Look at all these great things I did. Um, God's going to bless me. Yeah, and and so it's just interesting because that's bad theology, and and every name I just dropped in the scripture, it it doesn't end well for any of those people, um, and and so God helps those who help themselves. Like the foundation is on, you know, it's like I started this great thing, and now God helped me make make it even greater, and now I'm succeeding. And it's like <laughs> you really end up celebrating yourself at the end of that story. Mm-hmm. And then another one is. Oof. We can talk about time is money. I think that's really simple. You know, you're you're valuing money, not time. So that's what that amounts to. So mm-hmm. the proverb time is money amounts to a, a value of money. But let's talk about live and let live. What do you think about that, Kelsey? I know you love this idea. Uh, this is a tough one for me. I mean... To be honest, the wording for me, honestly, is confusing. It doesn't sound like a correct sentence if I hear it. Um, But live and let live is like, you do you, in my mind. It's like, you do your own thing and let other people do their own thing and don't interrupt other people doing their thing. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds super redundant, but... Yeah, it's like, just be concerned about yourself. Don't be concerned so much about, like, what others are doing. Let them do what makes them happy. You do what makes you happy, and that's all that life's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe there's a different side to that. I I don't know. What do you think? No, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Okay. You, you do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, life is not all about happiness and really happiness is different than something like joy where joy should stay in all circumstances even when things are really hard actually Mm -hmm. Um, and those hard moments build us too because god walks through it with us too yeah 
Yeah, and and also that saying, "Live and let live," or or you do you. It's kind of like. It's what it's saying is, I have my truth, you have your truth, and and both of those are completely fine. They can mm-hmm. coexist together. As long as you're not doing something that hurts someone else, then do yeah. whatever you want. It doesn't yeah. sound at all like discipleship. It also doesn't sound at all like reality. Yeah. Because people have conflicting views on how they yeah. do things. And we were talking about this recently. There's like a, there's a difference between fact and opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and that proverb, live and let live, or, or you do you, it actually confuses. My truth and your truth. Yeah. And so that's, those are opinions actually. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're being spoken as, as fact. And so uh, we have all sorts of language to put to these kinds of ideas and you know, we can we can also say like, it's objective truth versus subjective truth. Mm-hmm. Um, subjective is like you know we each have our own little truth that's subject to change. I believe I'm saying that right. And objective is mm-hmm. like one absolute truth, and that's actually their truth by nature is exclusive. And so when you say like live and let live, or you do you then you're actually excusing someone to go and oh oh man <laughs> kind of kind of live by their own moral standards which isn't that's not that's not productive it's not helpful for them in particular and and in general it's it's just not a good way to live life mm-hmm. um and yeah so so all these things though We could talk about this a long time, but the reason that we, we hone in on these three, um, they're, they're proverbs, if you will, God helps those who help themselves. Time is money and live and let live. Those are all really popular American proverbs. Um, and, and they really reveal, you know, if, if you're American and listening to this, like maybe you, you can see and you can get behind those things. It's like, we in America, we value tolerance, we value hard work, and, you know, we, we value money. We definitely value money. Well, which is independence, actually. So, mm-hmm. and so, so tolerance, independence, hard work, and we want to be proud of that. Um, it's, I could, I could list tons of proverbs from many other cultures, but I, I just don't really think... I need to. So, um, one of my favorite ones, though, actually, that I will list is, so I was raised, um, well, my, I'll say my mom was Italian. And, and so I, I heard a few Italian proverbs growing up. Um, one of my favorite ones that I just thought sounded so beautiful it was this, when you finish the game, the king and the pond end up in the same box. And that's, that's an Italian proverb. And mm. it, it, it's meant to show you that everyone's equal because mm. like, that's cool. when we die, you know, like, <laughs> I'll end up in the same dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the same dirt. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, Italians, I mean, it had a pretty, pretty bolsterous, like, Italian 
family. And, and I would say we value equality. Um, another really, um, beautiful Italian proverb is old sins have long shadows. Mm. Yeah. Which basically like really, really shortly, it it just means old habits die hard. Mm. Old habits die hard and they have really bad consequences too. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think in in Italy we can see that there's also a value of equality and then like you also want to live with integrity and not mm-hmm. have bad habits. Um but yeah, let's let's start bringing this back to proverbs and this will set us up for the next episode. Um so with with proverbs what what are the proverbs of the Bible based on? So so the proverbs of, you know, the United States, or you can just say Western culture, are largely today in 2022 going to be based on tolerance, independence, um, a lot of like hard work. Um, but the Proverbs of the Bible, they're actually heavily based on Deuteronomistic principles. Um, so, what does that mean? Well, oh, actually. Listeners. Actually, you can explain that oh, really, really well. Oh, I'm going to explain it. Okay. Um, yes. So, Deuteronomistic essentially means referring back to Deuteronomy. So, Deuteronomy is the last book of what we call the Pentateuch. And it's at the point where Israel is about to enter into the land and step forward into what God had for them essentially in the promise of the land and in being a holy people representing a holy God and being a representative to the nations and what Deuteronomy is and specifically you can look at chapter 6 of Deuteronomy mm-hmm. um, which is the charge and command to Israel from God and, and through Moses to say love the Lord with everything that's in you with all of your muchness with all of your heart your soul your mind your strength just everything that makes up who you are and what you do go and love the Lord and so Deuteronomistic principles also involves like how how you live life and so Deuteronomy there were laws that were given to the people of Israel very much in just how they were a nation in that time period too Mm -hmm. like how their kings were supposed to represent God and to not have too much wealth or chariots like the other nations around them that did horrendous things Um, or specific rules for how they even harvested the land and left part of it aside for widows sojourners Um, multiple categories of people. There were specific laws that were given to Israel um, to represent God well. And so Deuteronomistic principles is really what it means to love God with all of your muchness and represent him with every facet of how, like how you live your life from you personally to your family, to how you go about um, your, how you do business, how you relate to people, how you relate to other nations and how you worship God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's super good. And and it's interesting, too, because Deuteronomy as a whole, like, I think some things you listed talks about, you know, going into the land. So Deuteronomy mm-hmm. is written before Israel goes into the promised land, or so before the Hebrews go into Israel. Um, and it's it's interesting because 
I think Deuteronomy as a whole book, it lists um, or implies that God is their king. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was always supposed to be. Yeah, and and so we can talk about that more in another episode. But if you if you want to flip to Deuteronomy six four through nine, and really, Flippin. if you just read four and five, I think that'll be sufficient. It says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might." Am I gonna keep going? No. If you could just <laughs> summarize what comes next, that would be awesome. Yeah. So in the next verses, so six through nine, it essentially says these words shall be on your heart and you should have them everywhere pretty much that you can see them mm-hmm. like on your doorposts on your house on your hands on your forehead somehow um yeah many different ways always remind yourself and represent to yourself that you are going to love the lord with everything in you yeah it says on your forehead it's like you know at the forefront of your mind yeah or the frontlets of your eyes like oh, to, just to, write it on your to mean like when you blink you would see the <laughs> the word so so deuteronomy no literally so deuteronomy <laughs> six four through nine those are actually verses to live by mm-hmm. especially if you were a first or second generation israelite mm-hmm. straight out of egypt um following moses um and and a lot of proverbs are going to reflect that idea is you know the the lord is one there mm-hmm. is only one god it is yahweh only him and then you need to love him with all of your one of the three things your heart soul and might yeah all of your heart soul and might i just always think like that word might it translates to the the English word, a more proper way of saying it is muchness. So just love the Lord with all of your heart and soul. And if that's not enough, then just love him with your muchness. Just all, everything. All the just muchness that you have. Everything you have. Love yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And so this is what Proverbs is of the Bible are, are all about. It's loving the Lord and acknowledging that he alone is Lord. He is the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so Proverbs were written, um, and, and really wisdom literature as a whole has, has four foundations. So when, when you're reading Proverbs, if you start reading Proverbs today, some, some guiding posts that you can, you can write down and remember these as you're reading them, it's really just going to help you understand really what the author is trying to convey just um, helps you to discern what is actually there and what you're supposed to glean from it. Yeah, and this makes Proverbs a lot less mysterious. So here's four foundations of wisdom that you can apply as you're reading Proverbs. Number one, God is in control and humanity is not. Number two, life and people, including ourselves, are messy. And number three, Righteousness is always the best choice. Frozen 2. Yeah, and that's actually kind not of. just a quote Frozen 2, but that's just that's a, a foundation. Good, yeah, a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. And then number four, God designs life and knows the best way to live in it. Mm. Um, 
And we can actually see that idea in Proverbs. So in Proverbs 3.20 and just chapter 8 as a whole, we see God designing life. And God seems to set up wisdom or something like that. Um, I don't want to have any spoilers here. (laughs) Yeah. And so really the main idea of Proverbs is the best practices of fearing God through daily wisdom in a broken world. And you can think of why were Proverbs written, right? It's, again, to be to be taught, you know, to adolescents. That's mainly, probably the main application of it. But these are probably household sayings. Um, mm-hmm. Just things that were easy, quick sound bites. So very riddling. And riddles are easy to remember. So you hear them and you kind of go out to work and you chew on them all day. Or... They sound like songs. Um, and so Proverbs were like the original memes. <laughs> they they were really like you could just see them and they'd, they'd be in your head all day just like mm. memes. Um, yeah, so it's... And, and all of them are based on um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 or, or that kind of idea to produce reverence and a community that would fear God, not just not just one person. Um, so I, I think for right now we can, we can bring our first ever episode to a close (laughs) and yeah. So just a little recap, all that we've done is, well, we introduced ourselves and then we compared Proverbs to some other wisdom literature compared, you know, Proverbs from around the world to Proverbs of the Bible and we ended on some foundations of wisdom, which are, and you would see these in all of the Proverbs. God is in control and humanity is not. Life and people, including ourselves, are messy. Righteousness is always the best choice. And God designs life. He knows the best way to live in it. That's what Proverbs is all about. Mm -hmm. So we will catch you guys next time. And thank you so much for tuning in to Bread and Butter. Our very first one. And we'll see you next time with more Proverbs. Yeah. Thank you.